It's a new day. Let's go. Hey there, wonderful people. Thank you so much for tuning into the Action Youth and Young Adults podcast. It is our prayer that the message you're about to hear will not only bless your hearts but change your lives for the better. So go on, grab your notebooks and your pens, your phones or your tablets, and take notes as the Holy Spirit drops keys into your spirit through his servant. Enjoy. See, one of the things that you do for someone you love is that you sing for them. I've heard boys with the ugliest of voices sing for their girlfriends at midnight. I don't know what kind of dreams they expect these girls to have. One day, um, I heard somebody sing to his girlfriend and it was a gospel song and he was singing it for his girlfriend. Um, I forgot him. Oh my God, help me. A gospel song. <laughs> it says something about you are the. Ah, yeah. You are the love of my life. You mean all anything to me. Won't trade you for silver or gold. <laughs> Won't trade you for riches untold. You are everything to me. Lying to the girl. Lying to the girl. Lying. And the girl, I was supposed to have closed her eyes and was, you know. And I think this guy was some kind of SU executive. And was misusing, misusing the worship. Was misusing the worship. But when you love someone, one of the things that you try to do is you sing for them. 
you sometimes you write poems for them. And I've seen very horrible poems. I don't know what people try to achieve by these kinds of things. I mean, the words don't even make sense. It's like, when I lift my eyes to the hills, I see five girls. But among the five, you are the one. And among the one, is 0.5.2 all over eight. Also, you are also the blue car in the street and the tree has been uprooted. I mean, like, I mean, like, and it's all an attempt to prove one of the things that you should try to do is to try to sing for God. It's one of the good expressions of love that you can give for God. And as for God, it's the intention that counts for him. It's never about your voice. It's never about your, your riffs and runs. It's never about the quality of anything. For him, it's about the intention and he knows your heart. So it's easy for him to receive your cockroach voice. It's easy for him to receive your nice voice. He knows what you are trying to do. And so you might want to try it one of these days because some of us cannot pray without music. You know, Akaeho, we've done it so many times. I mean, we've done it today. Immediately we say we are going to pray, no, we have to look for a worship song to play. The day our phone goes off, it's very difficult for us to pray. So we are always praying that ECG will keep the light on. Because if once we see the is 5%, we put it on flight mode and start praying. At least we can get some 30 minutes of you know, prayer before the phone goes off. One of the things that we must learn how to do is unaided prayers. Prayers that don't have anything helping you. It's like just you and God. No music, nothing. It's just you praying. It's beautiful. If it's not in your presence... If it's not from your hands, oh God, if it's not by your spirit, don't let me have it. Because everything I need is in you. Ah, sweet words. Amazing. Last week, we started with the mystery of God and the mystery of fire, right? This is the part two of it. Today, we are going to um, talk very less and pray more, right? So, we'll be praying more than we'll be preaching, hopefully. And what were the things that we spoke about last week? Today, we'll add just one more and we'll pray, all right? Last week, number one, what did we say? We said God is a consuming fire. What does this mean? This means that God has a nature that abhors sin. This is one of the meanings of this scripture. The scripture that leads up to this one, you know, sometimes when you want to understand context, when you read a scripture and you don't understand what the scripture means, one of the things that you can do is you can read the scriptures that come before that scripture. Then it will give you a context of what that scripture is talking about. So, many times, we even misuse scriptures without knowing them. Like when we say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What do you think that scripture is about? That scripture is about money. And it's about management. Because the scripture that comes right before it says that I know how to abase and I know how to abound. What does that also tell us? It tells us that as Christians, sometimes you may not have money. And sometimes you may have money. We don't depend on money to be happy. Money doesn't change our mood. Money doesn't affect us. That's what Paul was trying to say. He says, you know, I know how to eat Gary 
and I also know how to eat fried rice. I know how to eat um, what's the what's the lowest food you can ever what Gary or Dawasi Gary Dawasi. The salvation that Gary has brought you in your life in essence today you said is the lowest. Thank you very much. What's the lowest? I know a girl who always eats banku, whether she has money or not. I think it's very easy for her to make. I don't know how easy. I can't make banku, so I don't know. I know it's made of condo and cassava dough, but the rest, I leave it to God. Uh, yeah. She eats it all the time. I think she does it a lot, and then she keeps it in the fridge, and she keeps eating it. <laughs> one, one, one. You never know whether she's broke or she's not. Okay, maybe you may know, depending on what she's eating a banku with. If it's with pepper. Even with that one, you, ha- you have to check. Maybe it's with sardine and fried egg and sauce. You know that there's money. If it's just with pepper and two keta school boys, you know that <laughs> there's fire on the mountain. So that scripture, we have misused it a lot. You know, we say, oh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This scripture, Hebrews 12, 29, talks, in, talks about God being a consuming fire. The scripture right before it says that we must give God proper respect. We must give him the respect that he deserves because he is a consuming fire. This scripture also means that God doesn't like to share his position. Anything that keeps him second place, third place, fourth place, he will burn it. Eating at your phone will spoil this month because it's like God is second to your phone. I'm not, I'm not, why have I said something? I said, eating at your boyfriend will leave you this month. Because it's like when we do the ranking, God is about 14. It's like your boyfriend, then your school, then your, your other thing, all your runnings, your hustle, one hustle, two hustle, three hustle, five. And God is at number seven. And God doesn't like that, you see. And there are certain prayers that we pray, we don't even understand. We say, you are the Lord of my life. I take, give everything. Number one, take it, take it, take it. He will take it. He will take it. He will take it and he will take you very seriously when you pray such prayers. And so God is a consuming fire. Everybody say, God is a consuming fire. Number two, we said the word of God too is a fire. The word of God is also a fire. The scripture that we use was Jeremiah 23 and verse 29. Is my word not a fire and as a hammer that breaks? Is there any situation in your life that is stubborn? Is there any situation in your life that you want to go away? Is there anything in your life that is worrying you? You can speak the word of God to the thing. And the word of God is a fire. It's not my word like a fire. And like a hammer that breaks. God's word can break and burn. Anything in your life that is like it can't go. It is refusing to go. Just speak the word. Just speak the word. Is that it burns it. And we also said that the reason why burning is a big deal is that any kind of distraction leaves a trace. But burning, if you allow burning to take full course, you won't see anything. It will reduce the thing to ashes and the wind will blow it away. And that will be it. Fire. The word of God is a fire. Number three, we said God responds by fire. What did we say this means? Well, first of all, the scriptures, 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 38 39, and then 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 1 to 3. All of these scriptures talk about the fact that people made sacrifices. Like in 1 Kings chapter 18, um, Elijah made a sacrifice and he called, and that one we know, 
God responded by fire and burnt the whole thing. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 2, after Solomon had prayed in the temple, the Bible says, God responded by fire again. And the whole sacrifice was burnt by the fire. See, what did we say this means? This means that God responding by fire is dependent on what we are offering him. Every time it is recorded that God responded by fire, it was because someone was calling for that fire. And that fire was being called for a sacrifice. And so when you say, Oh Lord, set my heart on fire for you. I want to burn for you. Oh Lord, make my life in order for you. What you are actually saying is that you are a sacrifice. What you are saying is that you have died. You see, sacrifices don't move. They don't, they don't move. They don't kick. Sacrifices are dead. Anything that you offer as a sacrifice, you kill it first, isn't it? You, you die it. Sacrifices don't move. No, you are too alive. You respond to everything. You respond to everyone. That is one way of knowing you. You are not. You are not yet a living sacrifice. You are fire, the refiner. I want to be consumed. Fine, it's a good prayer, but the fire will only respond to a sacrifice. It only comes down to consume sacrifices. God won't consume you yet because you are still alive. He doesn't want to kill you. If he's coming, you see, then all of a sudden this scripture makes sense. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, brethren, I beseech thee by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. It makes sense, Nancy. Then we also said, God manifests as fire, right? Exodus chapter 3 and verse 2 and Acts chapter 2, verses 3 to 4. We said that sometimes God appears and he appears as fire. And it's, it's a message. It's a message that... He is um, a God of judgment. He's a God that judges. But even in the midst of his judgment, there is mercy. Because you see, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 2, the bush was burning, but it wasn't consumed. It wasn't burning up. So God is a God of judgment, but he's also merciful. That's what it means. Today, let's add one more, and then we start praying. God Judges by fire. This one is going to be the basis. Sodom and Gomorrah is a classic case study. You remember what happened in Genesis 19. The Bible says that Abraham tried to negotiate with God over Sodom and Gomorrah because their wickedness had come up to him. And God was angry and he said that, look, I'm going to destroy the city. I'm going to burn it with fire. Because like we said, Fire is one of the means of destruction that leaves no trace. It clears everything. It, it removes everything. And it also leaves a mark. Even if you survive it, it will leave a mark. Everybody will see that, Charlie. Something happened here. And so the Bible says that, you know, when I was reading this story again, share, let me advise you, don't be proud, okay? Read the stories that were told in Bible, uh, 
Nine, Sunday school. Read it again. Today, I found out things saying, hey, I thought I knew the story of Joseph. I was lying. Apparently, okay, I won't, I won't tell you today. I'll tell you later. Interesting details. I found out the name of Potiphar's wife. That's number one. I didn't know it was there. <laughs> I found out the name of Potiphar's wife. She has a nice name, actually. That one, can I? No, I won't say it. Next time, next time. I found out that between um, the time that Joseph was um, um, taken by his brothers, he was sold three times, not twice. It was three times. He was sold to the Midianites first, then the Ishmaelites, then the Ishmaelites also sold him to the Egyptians. I also found out that after Potiphar's wife accused him of rape, he was in prison also for, for 10 years. Yeah, he was in prison for 10 good years. And when the guy came and came to explain the dream and everything, two more years. So he was in prison for 12 years. We said, we said like, it's nothing. Like, oh, so he was in prison and then came. Do you know what 12 years is? 12 years minus 20, 21. When I think Soa was probably um, 30 at the time, 12 years ago. 10 years ago was 2011. So 12 years ago would be 2009. Where were you in 2009? Class Class six, you know, so I had finished investing in 2009. Amazing. Right. One of the stories that I didn't know, I didn't know, was this particular story, Lot's story. The Bible said when the men came to the city at first, they said, go and bring everybody that's valuable to you from the place because we want to burn it with fire. You remember when the men came at first, Lord said, I have two virgin daughters. I want to give them to you. So that because the men had come and they said, bring out the angels. We want to show them something. And Lord came and begged and said, please, I beg you, Mishrael, I have two virgin daughters. I can give them to you. You can do whatever you want to them. The men said, Nehi. Then the angels came out and struck them with blindness. Remember that part. Take note that by the time the angel was ready, to take them out of the city. The Bible records that Lot went to speak to his sons-in-law. How did they move from virgins to sons-in-law? By the, it means that by the time the angels were leaving, they were married. They didn't just come and leave. Look, God will never destroy you. God's destruction is always a last resort. It's like he has done everything. He has pre- How many years did Noah preach before the flood came? Hundreds. More than 100 years, a guy was preaching. There is somebody here God has been trying to call for the past how many years? And you keep saying, tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. I want to tell you that a time is coming. It might be too late for you. It might be. It might be. I, I keep saying, I remember, my friend Paul died in 2018, right? I keep using him because he pains me. The day before Paul died, we were on phone talking. He died on Tuesday, Monday night, we were talking. And we were making plans. He said, we had um, something to do in Tamale. So we were talking about that. And he told me about a certain concert that he wanted to have some time ago. So we were discussing the details of those things, the concert. I never knew that the following day, Tuesday, Paul would be dead. I called him in the morning. He didn't pick up. No, usual Paul. And he was also not well, so I didn't want to worry him. 
I called him again in the afternoon. He wasn't picking. Now I was worried. So I called his girlfriend and I said, please, I'm trying to use your boyfriend. He's not picking. I don't like any nonsense in my life. Call him and let him know I'm trying to reach him because I've sent him messages and he's not responding. He was dead. Apparently, he couldn't breathe. Some funny story. He couldn't breathe and then they tried to get him to the hospital and they needed oxygen. The oxygen was finished. They were trying to take him somewhere else and then he died. I couldn't believe it. See, I was standing here. I was coming to church. We had a meeting, a shepherd's meeting. It was a Tuesday. And I got to the gate here and a very reckless lady, two of them, they met me and said, good afternoon, are you buddy? I said, please, uh, yes, I'm buddy. Please, Paul is dead. And then, yeah, that's, that's how I was told. That's how I was told. At the gate over there. They didn't, she didn't, so I almost fell down. I was walking with Soa and Soa held me. And I, I did it, I laughed because I felt like, ah, this is really stupid. Is that how to... And I walked straight. And when I got here, the big tree where they used to sell the shawarma, the big tree out there, Purix was standing under the tree crying. Purix, imagine Purix crying. He was wailing like a child. Then I knew... <laughs> what? Are you... Were you not wailing? Were you not wailing? <laughs> You see, it's Pyrrhus that sports the whole thing. I wouldn't have cried if not for Pyrrhus. I wouldn't have cried. When I saw Pyrrhus crying, I knew that, ah, it's true. I was just crying. And by that time, now Paul's girlfriend too was calling me and asking me that, Charlie, I'm calling him. He's not picking you. What, what, what's happening? And at that time, I knew. How would I tell this girl that her boyfriend is dead? How? I told her, please come to church. She said, ah, why? What's going on? Why is everybody texting me? Why is everybody calling me? Hey, buddy, what's going on? What? I, couldn't, I couldn't talk. I was, I was so confused. My point is this. You think you have time. You think you have time. Eh? You think you have time. Okay. Let's, let's continue. Say you, you think you have time. <laughs> Second Kings chapter 1, verse 9. Second Kings chapter 1. Let's start from verse 1. This is a story, and we are about to pray. Okay, we are about to pray. Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. No, let's do this one second. Go to Numbers. Numbers 16. Let me start from there. Numbers chapter 16. Numbers chapter 16. Now Korah, the son of Izar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, with Dathan and Abram, the sons of Eli, and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders. Representatives of the congregation, men of renown, not just any small leaders, big leaders. They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, you take too much upon yourselves. You are doing too much. You are doing too much. For all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? So when Moses heard it, he fell on his face. Huh. Let's keep going. And he spoke to Korah and all his company saying, Tomorrow morning, the Lord will show us who is his and who is holy and will cause him to come near to him. That one whom he chooses, he will cause him to come to him. See, there are people, eh? As we are all here like this, we are all not the same. We are the same, yes, in some sense. We are all children of God. 
But there are some who are greater than some. You have to get this. You have to understand this. Otherwise, it will affect the way you relate to people. And this is not a light issue because as the story progresses, you will see how God takes the whole thing. These were leaders. These were not normal members. These were leaders. And they came to Moses and said, look, you are too proud. What is all this? There are some people who think that the archbishop is doing too much. I recently heard about some pastors of um, a certain church. I was about to mention the church begins with L and you can, you can make your own whatever. And these pastors went on Facebook live for two hours insulting Bishop Dag. Two hours. They did it for the first day. They did it for the second day. They called him, they called him a dog. They called him a dog master. They called him a demon. They called him demonized. They called him a control freak. They called him proud. They called him a child of the devil. Look, they, they, I, I turned it off. I was skipping through the things. Skipping through the I just turned it off. I said, no, I can't listen to it. And to think that these were people that he, Bishop Dag, ordained and made pastors in his church. Look, when you think that you have gotten to a certain level, you can do certain things. And so you are at par with others. Be very serious and be very careful. Let's honor the archbishop. Hello. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't. Very recently, I heard somebody talking about Pastor Chris's divorce. Oh my God. I don't want to say some things in the mic. You! You! Oh my God. You. <laughs> Where do you even come from? One day. A man died. He was working in an aluminum company and he fell from top and came to fall down and he died. He was a supervisor. And well, he wasn't dead dead. He was in coma as it were. He was on life support. And he was um, um, Papa Higgins' church member. So they called Papa Higgins and they said, and that man was one of the big financiers in the church. Before they called Papa Higgins, there were people there praying for him. Oh. Leaders were already there in the hospital there in the room, praying for him. When Papa Hagen heard it, he said, hey, he wore his coat and he, he drove to the church, uh, the hospital. He entered the place and said, where is the man? They showed him, they said, the man is over there. He started praying, he said, God, let me give you 10 reasons why you can't kill this man now. Number one, he is my biggest contributor to the church. Number two, he listed 10 reasons and the thing did, the life support thing was off. He said, God, no, I disagree with this particular decision you've taken, I just reverse it. The thing started again. The man came to life and he opened his eyes and he said, he went to heaven. Actually, he went to heaven. And when he went to heaven, Jesus said, you can't stay here. And he said, no, I, I can't and I will. <laughs> what do you mean? I, this is what I've been waiting for my whole life. If you give me two more years, me, I can't promise you that I will live for you. It, if you send me back, I can't, I can't make any promises. If you send me back, I can't make any promises. Jesus said, no, but you have to go. Why? What's happening there? <laughs> he said, no, Jesus said, you have to go back. And he, he, he wrote it in his book. He said, Jesus was very calm about it. And the man was very agitated. That, well, what do you mean I should go back? You said we should live our life in a certain way. We will come. I've 
I've done my part. I've come. I've supported your church. Jesus said, I know. He said, follow me. So he took the man and there was a big curtain. And when, he, when they got there, he pulled the curtain back and he could see Papa Hagen walking up and down, giving God reasons. Number one, he's my this. Number two, he's my... He said, I can't, I can't, I can't deny his request. Because he's the who. That's Kenneth Hagen. Your pastor, your pastor, that's your pastor. Said against his wishes, God sent him back. There you will see that, you see, certain people's prayers, God takes it super serious because of what they mean to him. Look, even you, mini you, small you, in your own world, there are people you can't deny their request. I can think of three people that I can't. It doesn't matter. Even if I don't have a borough, Pierce is one. If, if, if I'm in Tamale and he calls me, I'll come. I'll, I'll stop everything and come. There are some people you just can't say, Chichanana. if Chichanana tells me, oh, I, I will stop everything and go. There are people like that. I can't, I can't say no. If your mother calls you sometimes, it, for some of you, it's not your mother. For some of you, Michelle, who is it in your life that you can't say no to? You can say no to everybody. Exactly my point. But who can't you say no to? Can you say it in a mic? Family members. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I, I reject that answer. <laughs> Even you. There are people you can't say no to. How much more God? And these people didn't know that we are all leaders, but not... So, watch it. Verse 6. Do this. Take senses. Cora in all your company. Verse 7. Let's run. Put fire in them and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord chooses is the Holy One. He shall take too much. You take too much upon yourselves, you sons of Levi. Verse 8. Then Moses said to Korah, Hear now, you sons of Levi. Do you think it's a small thing that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation to bring you near to himself, to do the work of God? Verse 10. Verse 10. And that he has brought you near to himself. And you are seeking a priesthood also. Verse 11. Verse 11. Therefore you and all your company gathered here against the Lord. And what is Aaron that you complain against? Verse 12. Let's run. And Moses sent to call Dathan, Abraham, and the sons of Eli. But they said, we will not come. Moses sent to call them. They said, well, we won't come. How do you say it in Ghan? If you just add, if you stretch the last one. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, you've negated it, you see. Right, verse 14. Is it a small, verse 14. Moreover, you have not, verse 14, verse 14. Oh, verse 13, look at this. Look at verse 13. Is it a small thing? This is Eliab, the people that they called that they said they won't come. They, they told Moses, is it a small thing that you have brought us out of a land flowing with milk and honey? Talking about Egypt too. That Egypt is flowing with milk and honey. To kill us in the wilderness and you keep acting like a prince over us. Why do you feel so bossy? Moses' man and Aaron, your assistant. Why do you feel so big? Verse 15. Verse 15. <laughs> Moses became pissed. Because among other things, you see, have you ever seen Papa angry before? Have you seen the Archbishop angry before? Oh my God. One day, somebody, I think he even said it last, last Sunday. Somebody came to tell him in his office that he has seen that he's going to die. 
the archbishop nearly slapped the guy. He hits the table and charged at him. Stand there. You see that he's a gun boy. You see his humanity just now. Oh yeah, men of God do get angry. One day, a certain guy, he was a pastor in a certain church that begins with A. Yes. You can, Alabaster Chapel, actually, plenty of churches beginning with A. Alabaster Laboratories, you see, it's a church. Amazing. So, this guy took over the church. And when his head pastor said, Charlie, what are you doing? What are you doing? I sent you there to be a branch pastor. No, you've got to take over the church. And he said, oh, please. Are, are we not all men of God? Master Faujimiko. Then the man of God lifted his hand. So he wasn't there. The man of God wasn't there, right? So he, he heard it by phone. The man of God lifted his hand and said, he said, like, five words. He said, the wind is against you. And he dropped the call. Very simple. The wind is against you. So this man was in London, right? He was living, and from the time the man of God said the wind is against you, no, oh, nothing happened, oh, please, I beg you. He was living his life with his wife and children. I mean, jamming all over. The church was growing, you know. Then we was chilling, you know. One day, Bishop Doug went to London and saw this pastor in a shopping mall. Shopping with his wife and other things. And he said to his wife, Bishop Doug, you know Bishop Doug? Bishop Doug said to his wife, said, hey, the man that the wind is against, no, he's the one shopping. One day, we were all here in Ghana, and a certain man showed up on a stretcher. A stretcher from UK to Ghana. He said he's looking for the founder, the one who told him that the wind is against him. So they brought him. This man looked at the pastor there. Apparently, his wife left him. The church collapsed. One child died and two were sick, and plus he himself. <laughs> and he had become like this on the bed. The pastor looked at him, uh, and he said, it's okay. It's okay. Let, you will live. Go. So he went and he lived. He became robust again. He gained weight. Moses was angry and said to the people, no, to God. Don't respect their offering. If from today, if they pray, don't listen. Yeah. It is possible for somebody to stop your prayers. I'm trying to tell you that levels are not the same. I'm just trying to advise you. When, when you are driving in traffic and the president is coming, you have to shift. It's not that he's more human than you. Okay, he has more authority than you. And the meeting he's going for, if he's delayed, they'll sell all of us in Ghana. They'll sell all of us. So you have to shift. And as he's coming, security people come, motorcade, one, two, three, four. Then one car, two cars, three cars, four cars. Then ambulance. One manual. By you, you are in an Opel Vectra. <laughs> And you have to shift. Even if you are in a land cruiser, you still have to shift. Power past power. Moses said, God, this is when they pray, don't listen. God said, I, and look at his reason. He said, I have not taken anything from them and I have not 
insulted anybody. I've not hurt anyone. Verse 16. And Moses said to Korah, you see, after he spoke to God, he came to speak to them that, VNC, we are going for a battle tomorrow. And they also foolishly came. Go all the way to verse 24. If you can. Yes. So God told, no, go to verse 23. Go back. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, verse 24, tell the people that they should get away from these three guys. They should isolate them. Verse 25. What happened? Then Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abraham and the elders of Israel followed him. Verse 26. And he spoke to the congregation saying, depart now from the tents of these wicked men. Touch nothing of theirs. Otherwise you'll be consumed with them. 27. And they got away from around the tents of Korah, Dathan and Abraham. And Dathan and Abraham came and stood at the door of the sea. Some people learn impudence. As you are in trouble, the wind is against you, you know. You have come to stand at the entrance of the tent with their wives, their sons, and their little children. Sometimes you need to discern. You, you need to dissociate from certain people, no matter how close they are to you. You were all there, and you heard God saying that, leave them, they are about to die. But their wives and children were showing solidarity. Yeah. We stand by you. Your boyfriend is a fat boy. He's buying fried rice. You are eating. You are, you are sharing in his iniquity. You are sharing. You are sharing. Your boy, you're, and you are aware. You are aware. Sometimes, sometimes when he's doing the video call and he has changed his accent, he said, oh, we have a, a, a house in, in, in um, Kwabenya. You know, when he's doing all those things, you are there and you're stroking. He says, yes, baby. <laughs> okay. Okay. You see, very soon, very soon, eh, he's going to die and you with him, you will die with him. Oh, you don't know. You don't know. The wife and the children, they were standing there. They didn't go. They didn't go. And Moses said, it's getting tensious now. It's getting, I can, if the tension is rising, Moses said, by this, you will know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works. And I've not done anything I've done by my own will. If these men die naturally, like all other men, or if they are visited by a common fate, like they die normally, car crash, um, you know, if they die normally, like maybe... Maybe something chokes them and they die. Or something, they die in the hospital. Then the Lord hasn't sent me. Verse 30. But if the Lord creates a new system of killing people, I mean, like, like a new system, and the earth opens and swallows them up with their conkos, their crops, their traveling bags, everything that belongs to them and they go alive to hell then you will understand that these men have not rejected me is the lord they've rejected so what happened in verse 31 now it came to pass as he finished speaking bam the ground split everybody ended it didn't end you think we finished oh no 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 we've not finished wait and the earth opened its mouth the earth has a mouth when you are reading the Bible, take notice of things. The earth has a mouth. Huh. I didn't know. 
the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them with their households, all the men with all their goods. Verse 63. And so they and all those with them went down into alive into the pit. The earth closed over them and they perished from among the assembly. And we are here, verse 34. Then all Israel who were around started running away. Hey, so that the earth will not also swallow us. Verse 35. And a fire came down. You see, this is what we were looking for. A fire came down as judgment. The judgment hadn't finished. You see, anybody that is around your life, that is challenging the, the fact that you are a child of God. You see, right now they are sick. They think, oh, they can. it's not over. They should wait. They should wait. A fire came down and consumed the 250 men that had come to offer incense to the Lord. Remember, he told God not to listen to their prayers. Yes, a fire came and consumed everyone and killed everyone. Look, I can give you, we are, we are out of time. I have to end. And we haven't prayed, sadly. I can give you example after example in 1 Kings, or no, yeah, 1 Kings chapter 1. A guy called Amaziah, or Amaziah, depending on the school you attended, became sick. <laughs> Second Kings chapter 1. Second Kings chapter 1. And by the way, I don't like the way everybody's pretending that they haven't heard that UCC is the number one school. I don't, I don't enjoy that kind of thing. Huh? No, I will tell you. I keep telling you, pick UCC forms. Pick UCC forms. You see, it's, it's obvious now. I, I checked Legon. They were 1,040. They were down there. Yes, in, in Africa, they are not part, please. They are not part at all. West Africa, I think they are somewhere scrambling below. You know, <laughs> scrambling below. Now, Ahazia, this guy Ahazia, he fell through the roof. <laughs> Listen, don't get on the wrong side of God. Eh? The, David said, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the Lord, but even the cry is good. When you get God angry, you will see fantastic. You see the way he creates things. And he makes things fantastic. Your death will be just as spectacular. I heard a story of a child who was going somewhere, and the mother said, "May the Lord be with you." They had a crate of eggs. You heard that, that story? He said, "Oh, no space. The Lord can be in the boot." Yes, and they put the crate of eggs in the boot. They had a car crash. Everybody died. They opened the boots. The crate of eggs intact, not one broken. The, the Lord was really there. The Lord was really there. Titanic. Nobody can sink it. Not even God. He should have ended it at nobody can sink it. He said, not even God. God said, really? An iceberg would deal with you. An iceberg. Something as little as an iceberg would deal with you. A certain guy, a singer, a rock singer, he was smoking and playing. He was doing a concert and he, he pulled the thing. He puffed the smoke to go. He said, that's for you. The guy choked on his own vomit and died. Spectacular. Something new. Amazing. <laughs> you don't know. So the guy fell through. He fell through the house. Eh? And he got injured. And this is how you see that God is such a woman. When God, the first time you see the word jealous in the Bible is God describing himself. What happened? This guy who is the king of Israel sent messengers to uh, Belzebub, who was a god of Ekron. He said, go and ask Belzebub whether 
my injuries will go away, whether I will not die. And there was a particular ha, Okule, this is your question. There was a particular angel who was walking with Elijah. There was, an, there was a particular angel that Elijah always worked with. So Elijah's angel told him that your king, you know, he has sent people to uh, or they say Ikron to go and ask Beelzebub that whether he will survive or not. Go and cross the messengers on the road and tell them that because of this foolishness, is there not a God in Israel that can answer such things? For the sole reason of asking someone else, you didn't ask me, you will die. God is petty like that. Don't, don't try it. The only reason I'm killing you is because you asked somebody else, you didn't ask me. Finish. So the messengers, Elijah crossed them on the way and told them that, excuse me, please. God says that, she said, he there. He, he there in what? Okay, okay, okay. So you are going to ask Belzebub, Jenakai. All right, go. Go and tell your master that he will die, he will not survive. And when Ahaziah heard this thing, instead of him to humble himself and beg, he didn't do. He sent 50 soldiers with a captain that they should go and arrest Elijah. Verse 9, what happened? The king sent a captain with 50 men to Elijah. Meanwhile, Elijah was sitting big as life. As in, he had no concerns or issues. On top of a hill, the captain said, Oh, holy man, king's orders, calm down. What was Elijah's response? Elijah said, If it is true, this title you gave me, holy man, if it is true, lightning strike you and your 50 men. This is message. Give me King James. Elijah answered and said, if I be a man of God, see, you must get to a point where you can say this. At Bishop Benson Dahosa, one day they were going to have a witches convention in Benin City where he was. And he heard about it. He said, me in this city, you are coming to do international witches convention. Why am I alive? If I'm a man of God, if it is true that I'm a man of God, this meeting will not hold. So the leader of the witches heard it and said, excuse me, who is this Idahosa guy? If you are really, really a man, meet me on TV. Idahosa said, of course, I'll meet you on TV. I like spectacular things. You know our grandpapa now. So he went, met the guy on TV, and the guy said, we will have the meeting. Archbishop Benson Idahosa said, you shall not have it though. You will not have the meeting. And he said, it's written in the Bible. Suffer not a witch to live. I'm a man of God. This is the word of God. The word of God said, do not allow any witch to live. Are you a witch or not? The man was looking at his face. Are you a witch? Are you a witch? You are wasting my time. No. Oh yeah, yeah. Right? He denied it. And the meeting didn't come on. One day, he was going to buy a piece of land from a guy. He said, please, I need a piece of land to build a church. I heard you have pieces of land you are selling. He said, you want, he said say again, you want to build what? A church over my dead body. He said, amen. The guy dropped dead. Yeah, and he had a piece of land, of course. Elijah said, if it is true that I'm a man of God, let fire come down. 
and consume you and your 50 men. And the Bible says, and fire came down to, to life and came and consumed he and his 50. Verse 11. Then he sent him another 50 with the captain. And he answered and said, man of God, they hadn't learned. The king says, come down quickly. This time they added quickly. Verse 13, Elijah said, if I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume me. And it happened. Verse 13, again they sent another one. Third. Again. Another 50. They had men. And sometimes, eh, let me not say this too loud. I wonder when you are a soldier, eh, like you are a soldier of, let's say, I don't mention the country and disrespect the country, but just, just for the sake of example, international audience, I beg you, please pardon. Maybe maybe you are a soldier in Togo. Eh? Or what, country is, what country is small? I hope this doesn't cost. Okay, let me use my own country, Ghana. And then, <laughs> let me use it. For, for the sake of peace, I don't want any trouble. Then the government has called you to go and invade UK. And you to vim. <laughs> You have, I mean, you've woken up, you are ironing your shirt. Honey, where are you going? He said, we are going to invade UK. Are you, but you know, in the military, they said that obey before complain. So you, you got, first 50 have gone, they've died. Second 50 have gone. Third 50, you are apart, you are number 24. <laughs> you are going to catch Elijah. <laughs> Elijah said, if I met the man came and knelt down and said, we beg. We beg you. He pleaded. He pleaded with me. He said, man of God, please, please, let my life and the life of these 50 servants of yours, like we are all your servants now, let them be precious in your sight. Look, fire has come and burned up the first 250. Let our life be precious. And we beg you. And, and Elijah's angel begged him. <laughs> And said, man of God, man of God, please go with them. Please, please go with them. So he went to the king. He got up and went to the king. Went to the king. And when he went, he told the king the same thing he told the first group of people. Sometimes eh, you need, when, you, when we say Elijah, what comes to your mind? For me, when you say Elijah, the first thing that comes to my mind is prayer. Prayer. The only thing you hear about Elijah in the Bible is that he was a man who prayed. He was a man of prayer. James chapter 5 verse 18 said, Elijah was a man of like passions, but he prayed, no rain. He prayed again, then rain. There's another um, instance Elijah is referenced in the book of Romans. The Bible says, like Elijah prayed. You see, Elijah is always linked to prayer. And one of the things I've realized is that when heaven is used to your voice, heaven responds. It doesn't matter how absurd your request is, heaven will respond. But you see, because we don't pray much, we don't have much power. And we, we have people bamboozling us, bullying us, and it makes Christianity look laughable. We have moved from that place now. We have moved from that place now. We are now people of power. We don't deal with powerless Christianity anymore. Powerless Christianity is over. This generation, this next generation, we are people of power. We have stopped talking. We have stopped negotiating. We do not come with begging. And the Bible says that a poor man speaks with begging. Every day, Michelle, Michelle, they are always begging. 
they say, oh, please, can I? Rich men, they speak with impudence. And even their laughter, <laughs> it's, it's full of audacity. When you're a poor man, <laughs> so you're, the energy to laugh is not even there. You've not eaten. Please be on your feet. We are asking the God who judges by fire. And this week, right, this was, this was a direction I received when, we, when um, I was praying before this, right? The Spirit said we should pray this week, meaning from today to next week, Wednesday, one week. We should pray for a total of 24 hours. Do you know what that means? 24 continuous hours. So it's like at the end of our exercise, you should have prayed for 20. If you add all the hours you've prayed, it should amount to 24. So it means you are praying for three hours for four days and four hours for three days. Three times four is what? You see people. Three times four. Four times three. Lancaster University. So you, we are going to pray three hours for four days and four hours for three days. So we'll do the three hours first. So from today, Wednesday to Friday, make sure that at, by the time you close the day, by the time you enter Thursday, you have prayed for three hours. You can spread it one hour in the, in the morning, one hour in the afternoon, one hour in the evening. But by the end of the day, you should have prayed for three hours. Let heaven get used to your voice. Tuesday, oh no, that's like Friday, same thing. Three hours. Saturday, three hours. Sunday, three hours. Then Monday, four hours. Tuesday, four hours. Wednesday, another four hours. So, if I were you, I will wake up at three. Today, I mean, towards tomorrow, I wake up at three and I'll pray till six. Continuous. I think it's, it's very easy to do. Why you don't you don't like the you don't like the message anymore? I, I think I feel like the mood has changed. I feel resistance now. I don't I don't like it. But like the thing is not the message is hitting a wall. It's hitting a wall. I say that. You wake up at 3 and you pray till 6. Look, you are young. Apart from Soa, who here is above 40? Raise your hand. 30. Who, is, who here is above 30? You see, it, 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 petty lies can send you to hell. Petty lies. <laughs> who, who, is, who is 30? 20. So everybody is below 30. Then it should be easy for us now. Daniel. Three hours, Wednesday to Sunday. Then Monday, you wake up at two and pray till six. What time do you go to school? Six. You leave the house at six. Oh, then you have to wake up at one. Sorry, but it changes for you. You have to wake up at one. Then you pray till five. Then you prepare for school. Why you can't, you can't. It means that you have to cut down on YouTube. Series. The drink or the, what? Series. Oh, movies. Yes, series. You have to cut down on, on movies. Be look, one day I was pressing my phone. I checked the time. It was 6. I blinked and pressed again. I checked the time. 10. I didn't know that time ran so fast when you're pressing your phone. And sometimes you, you think you are deceiving someone. You, you pray for 15 minutes. You are so tired. Then you go and press your phone for like 2 hours. Look at your life. 
So when somebody tells you that he's sick, your first instinct is, hey, have you, have you been to the hospital? Have you taken drugs? You, you never have them to pray for anyone. Let heaven get used to your voice. Thank you so much for joining us. God bless you for tuning in to today's message. We hope that you have been filled with a fire that fuels your week and a word that erases your doubts and improves your Christian walk with God. We love you so much and we are always here to support. So if you'd like to connect with us, you can do so by following us on Instagram and on Facebook with the handle at Action Young Adults. We would be very excited to have you join our amazing family. Until next time, we are Aya. We love to have you and it's always a new day with us. God bless you.